and uh, uh, when you're talking to people about the church, uh, mention that uh, our website, ChristFamilyChurchNashville.org, and uh, uh, got a lot of information on there. Got pictures on there, and it's got uh, messages, uh, recorded messages, and several things, and uh, really, uh, really interesting. Chris does a good job keeping it up. Appreciate him doing that. Uh, these seven churches uh, were real churches at the time, but the reason why he picked these seven churches out of the the hundreds, there were literally by this time there were hundreds of churches that that that, that had scattered around, and these seven churches were picked because they depict closely uh, different. Uh, church ages down through time from Pentecost down to the last church age. And um, this church that we're going to talk about tonight, the church at Laodicea, the last church, and uh, as we get into it, you're going to find that it, it just pinpoints the situation that the church as a whole is in today right before the coming of the Lord. Amen. The church of Laodicea, uh, and uh, there we got the map and the little little dots there of each and every one, and maybe you can see Laodicea uh, down uh, on there. And uh, we're going to be uh, be reading Re- uh, Revelation chapter three, uh, verses fourteen through twenty-two. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. Now let's follow this close. He says, I know your works. He says, you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, that word right there is why I'm using the New King James Version um, opposed to the regular King James because everybody knows the scripture. He said, I will spew you out. And it, it don't, that word spew don't give you the true picture and the true meaning of what God was saying. When you go back and look at, the, as this was originally written in the Greek language, uh, that, that word there, it, it, in other words, what God's saying, God is saying, when you are a lukewarm Christian, you make me sick to my stomach. I get nauseated. And he said, I'd rather you be completely cold or completely hot because when you're lukewarm, it makes me sick. I'm going to wind up sooner or later vomiting you out of my mouth. Man, that's, that's that's some stout language. Amen, that God is seeing here. Uh, and uh, given uh, the the Apostle John um, uh, on the um, uh, Isle of Patmos, he said, because you say 
I am rich and become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. We're living in the most blessed age the church has ever seen. We got more than any of the churches ever had. We're blessed abundantly. Hallelujah. Uh, but this is what the Lord said. He says, you, you, you think you're wealthy, you think you got it all. But he says, down inside you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you, I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and that's talking about true riches, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you might see. He's talking spiritually here, spiritually. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Hallelujah. Amen. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes... I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation chapter 3 verses 14 through 22. Let me give you a little background information about the city of Laodicea. The city of Laodicea was located uh, about 40 miles southeast of Philadelphia, one of the other cities that we've talked about. There were two neighboring cities which were close to Laodicea, Colossae, which was about 10 miles west. It was known for its cold mountain spring water, and uh, Hierapus, which was six miles south of Laodicea, and it was known for his hot springs. Now, I told you, I've been telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something about this that a lot of people overlook. Matter of fact, I brought some of this out to some of the other pastors and preachers in hot springs, and uh <laughs> They said, said I, I'm going to take it and run with it. <laughs> you know, uh, the, Lord, the Lord showed me this. Uh, you know, when we, when we get into God's Word, and we want, if we want to study God's Word, uh, uh, and Brother Jimmy, and really get the meaning behind what the writer was referring to, there's a few things we got to know. You got to know who wrote it. You got to know... Who was the original recipients? Who was he originally? And why was he writing it? 
you've got to have a good historical background. If you don't, you're going to miss so much uh, of why God was writing uh, to each church. And so these two cities that was real close to Laodicea uh, is very important. Um, Laodicea was reckoned among the wealthiest and most powerful cities of the time. The city itself was a prosperous banking center, and the people were very proud of their wealth. Uh, They refused Roman disaster relief after the earthquake of A.D. 60, telling the Romans they had no need of outside help. They had a big earthquake hit in the year 60 A.D., and much of the city was knocked down. And Rome was offered them help. And they were so proud and so wealthy, they said, we don't need your help, we'll take care of yourself. They rebuilt it on, on their own. They were proud in who they was and what they accomplished. Uh, Laodicea was also known for its textiles, such as wool, woolen garments, There was a medical school located there, and they were also known for the production of ear medicine and a special eye salve that was uh, exported everywhere. Now, if you remember some of the things Jesus told that church, you know, Jesus was the master teacher. And when you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find that Jesus did most of his teaching in parables. He liked to make illustrations. And even even while after when he went away, and then when he when he spoke to John here, he used things that the people then and there was well familiar with. Now we wouldn't know nothing about Laodicea known for its medicine and uh, this special eye salve. Why did, so that explains why Jesus used that same thing. He said, anoint your eye with eye salve that you can see. You see, uh, he, he spoke to things as those people back then knew exactly what he was talking about. When the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the Colossians, in your Bible we got the book of Colossians, he instructed them to allow the church in Laodicea to, to read uh, the, um, uh, the letter also. And right there in, in the book of Colossians chapter 4 and verse 16, notice what Paul said. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also to the, in the church of the Laodiceans. And that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. So, here when when Paul wrote the letter to uh, of the Colossians, he says, now when y'all get through reading this letter, he said, just make sure that the people right over next to you, just 10 miles away, get a copy of this letter and let them read it to you. That shows us how the Bible began to be spread around from church to church back in that early time. I mean, see, when God wrote, he didn't just write to one people, one one church. He wrote to the whole body of Christ. Amen. We're all 
uh, he, uh, we're all equal in his sight. And he said, so make sure that they see this letter also. Uh, and, I, um, and that's what Paul wrote in, in, in Colossians, uh, uh, the fourth chapter and the 16th verse. Now, um, Christ introduced himself to this church as the Amen. The word in the original text is Amen, and it means firm, sure, to be permanent, established, trustworthy, steadfast. At the end of a prayer, it means what? So be it. Amen. Uh, in other passages, it's translated verily. You've seen the word verily in the King James Version. Um, Matthew 18 and 3, he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you, you shall not enter to the kingdom of heaven. Verily. It means the same thing as amen. This is something that's permanent. It's steadfast. It's, it's uh, so be this. Verily, I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, you've got to be converted. You've got to become as little children. When Christ identified himself to this church as the amen, he was saying uh, that the words he speaks unto them are established, something they can count on, cannot be changed or altered, just as it was written in Psalms 119 and 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Hallelujah. There's nothing as sure as the Word of God. There's nothing as sure as the Word of God. I, uh, I heard a testimony uh, one time, and I've I, I seen it, the videotape of it. And these were two gospel singers. And she come down... Uh, with with cancer, and undergoing treatments and and, and, and different things uh, that, that you have to go through with when when you're uh, smitten with that terrible disease, and uh, she kind of was at the end of her rope, and she didn't know. What else to do? She had been a Christian uh, for 40 years. And her husband said he went to the house one day and he heard, heard, heard a noise and he, he wouldn't look. And he said, there stood my wife in our bedroom, had her shoes off, had her Bible spread out laying on the floor and she was standing on it. He says, oh Lord, she, she's, done, she's done lost it completely. And he says, he says, honey, what's going on? Can I help you? She turned and looked at him with tears in her eyes and about half, half speaking in tongues through the Holy Ghost. She says, everything else that I've turned to has failed me. I don't know where else to stand. So I'm standing on the word. I'm standing on his word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The 
Word of God is amen. It's sure. It's established. You will never go wrong if you put your 100% confidence and trust in the Word of God. You can say bye-bye to everybody else. It don't matter about it. But there is nothing as sure as the Word of God. Thy Word is forever settled in heaven, O God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I seen a bumper sticker one time and I didn't very much care for it. It said, um, uh, let's see, let me, let, if, I, if I can remember how, how it was worded. Uh, if, God, if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I didn't really quite go along with that because if God's word said it, it don't make no difference whether I believe it or not, it's still settled. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It don't make no difference if nobody believes it or not, it's still settled. Hallelujah. Praise God. He also introduced himself as the faithful and true witness. The word witness in the original was martus which we get the word martyr. Now, this is something that always people's eyes kind of bug out when, you, when they realize. Uh, we today, when we talk about being a witness, we don't have a clue of what being a true biblical witness is. You know, we talk about, well, I'm, I'm a witness for the Lord, are you? Because the word witness comes from the Greek word that you get the word martyr. One who is willing to give his very life for the benefit of a specific principle, cause, or belief. It is a shameful indictment of Christians today when you realize that the word witness and martyr means the same thing. Hallelujah. Early believers knew well what it meant to become a follower of Christ. It meant the commitment of all they were and all they had. It meant the possibility of death. We have already seen in a past lesson what, exact, uh, what exactly what it meant to be a witness of Jesus Christ in the first century. Hallelujah. Amen. Witness and martyr are the same thing. There were 12 original disciples. 11 of the 12 was martyred. Eleven of the twelve was killed for believing in, 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 in the testimony. John was the only one, the one who, who wrote the book of Revelation. He's the only one who died a natural death, all the rest of them. That the, origin, the twelve men that walked with Jesus, some of them uh, had spears thrust through them. Some of them had their heads cut off. Some of them was boiled and old. I often say, I've often said before, and, uh, and I still say it, when we get to the judgment, Lord, I'm hoping I'm not standing by any of those early people. Hallelujah. Compared to what they had to give and how, how, how easy we have it in he said in Revelation 2.13, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, uh, and you hold fast to my name and did not. Uh, let's see. 
He also, well, let me, um, I'm, I'm backing up on myself. On page, on page 25, the top of the page, I don't get you confused here. He also said he was the beginning of the creation of God. Jesus Christ, as the beginning, was the source or originator of all creation. John 1 and 3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't look for nobody else but Jesus. He's the one, folks. He's the one. Hallelujah. Now, let's get to Christ's summary of this church. How he summed this church, the layout of seeing up. He said, you are neither hot or cold. I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew you or vomit you out of my mouth. All through my Christian life, I have been taught that we need to be hot for Jesus because God had rather us to be cold than lukewarm. Uh, in other words, we think about somebody's being hot. Man, we're just going 90 mile an hour. We go run around church, jumping up and down, talking in tongues, you know, hot in the spirit. That's not what he's talking about here. Uh, the way we shout and worship has nothing to do with what he was referring to when he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Uh, the plain fact says people are different. And we all got different emotions. And people worship God differently. Amen. I shouldn't judge you and say you ain't hot for Jesus if you don't jump up as high as I jump. Amen. Some people, when they get under the anointing of the Spirit, they want to cry. Some people just raise your hand and shout and praise the Lord. Some people... Will how the Holy Ghost will begin to move through them and they'll speak in tongues. And uh, we're, we're all individuals and we should never try to think everybody has to worship God the way I worship God. Amen. Uh, let's get, get on down into this. Uh, my time is, is, is running away from me. That interpretation sounds good, but it is not what Jesus totally meant by his statement. If you will remember, all the uh, of the previous churches we have studied had their own particular circumstances and situations that Christ uh, played upon and used to make a spiritual point or truth that could um, they could relate to. Laodicea, likewise, had some unique characteristics as a city was known by. Jesus used these to make his point, knowing they would understand this man. Okay, here we go. The city of Laodicea, they lacked a natural water supply. In studying, I found this out. They did not have a natural water supply. There was no cold mountain water like in Colossia or natural hot springs that was in... Heropopus, I'm, I'm not pronouncing it exactly right. So they paid 
they paid to pipe in water from the outside sources. By the waters, but the waters would be lukewarm by the time it reached Laodicea and also full of sediment and minerals, which would sometimes make them nauseous when they tried to drink it. Hence, their water supply was good for nothing. Take a look on the screen. These are actual pictures outside the ruins of the city of Laodicea. They're water pipes. They built water lines from Colossia to, uh, to their cold, ice-cold springs so they could have good cold spring water. They was rich. They was wealthy. And so they said, well, we'll even though we don't have a water supply, we're going to pipe it in. And everybody was going to the other city to take those hot hot spring baths, like hot springs, Arkansas, those hot springs. And so they they run pipes from the other city that's gonna pipe in, man, we're gonna have we're gonna have that water run down in here, we're gonna fix a big poo, and we're gonna sit in that real nice hot hot water, spring water and enjoy ourselves and we're gonna get our aching bones feeling good. Well, all the money that they spent, everything they did, when the water got to where they, where they was at, it wasn't hot no more. It was lukewarm. Hence, what they, the purpose that they had it for, it was useless. It was good for nothing. They couldn't drink it. They couldn't bathe it, just luke, lukewarm. It had a heavy mineral uh, content in it. The cold spring water wasn't cold when it got there from the other place. It was, it was lukewarm. And it had sediment in it. So all the work and everything that they did to build what they built turned out to be useless. Um. Jesus says, were you hot for bathing or cold for drinking, you would be useful. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing that verse right now. If you was hot for bathing or cold for drinking, you'd be useful. But as it is, you are good for nothing. In this state, you make me nauseous and I want to vomit you out of my mouth. The hot springs were used as a healing source, and the cool springs were refreshing. The church of Jesus Christ should be a source of healing to the mind, body, hallelujah, mind and body, and a means of refreshing to the weary soul and spirit, no matter what else we accomplish. If we can't be that source, then we are useless. Church, get a hold of yourself right now, because what Jesus was saying to this last day church, he said, you, you, you're wealthier than anybody else. You're able to build big things. You got some great ideas. He says, but you're useless. You're good for nothing. When I think about that and I begin to pray, I say, oh God, don't let our congregation ever get to the point in the place God says, well, you're useless. 
See, God didn't place us here, amen, for us just to get here and have some fellowship and, and have a good time. There's a, and if that's all that we're doing, if we're not, if we're not reaching out, if we're not doing the full works of God, then God is looking at a cross family church or any other church saying, you are good for nothing. You're not, you're, you're not, you're not functioning what your purpose was intended. Just like, and they knew well what Jesus was saying because everybody in the city of Laodicea was upset that they couldn't go down there to the end of their water pipes and get a good cold uh, cup of water to drink or take a nice hot bath. It was both of it. Both of it was useless. And that's what Jesus was saying to the end time church. So you've got, see, um, we have gotten so much like the world and, and, and we have brought so many things of the world into the church that, that brother, we, we become useless to God. Those waters back then, the hot waters, was, 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 was a source of healing. Should have been. The cold waters was a source of refreshing. Should have been. When people come to the house of God, the Spirit of God should be evident and strong everywhere where people can be refreshed. Hallelujah. Amen. It should be here where people, amen, can receive healing of mind, body, and spirit. And if, if, and if people can't do it here or any other place that calls it a, a church, God is saying you're useless and good for nothing. Man, that's tight. Lord, my Lord, hallelujah. The church in Laodicea, although rich and prosperous, with all the resources available to them, should have been doing great things for God, but their proud, self-sufficient attitude made them of no use to God. It was a useless church, not accomplishing anything. Their talk was big but their walk wouldn't even make a good crawl. If we could ever get people to walk, people's walk, to live up to their talk, <laughs> we would take this world for Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. If we could ever just live up to our talk. Hallelujah. He said and on page uh, 26 there, um, he said, you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Got some um, definitions of those words, what they was referring to. The church had been blinded by their success. But this success had only been material in nature. Spiritually, they were bankrupt. Amen. They had everything material-wise, but spiritually, they was there's, there's a lot of people that way. Amen. Spiritually, they're bankrupt. The Laodiceans was as materialistic as they come. They boasted the fact that they had need of nothing or nobody. They had become, or they thought, self-sufficient. I'm gonna tell. There's nobody self-sufficient in the body of Christ. Everyone, you'll never get so close to God that you can live undependent upon Him. We're all gonna always be dependent upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't never think that you can get by one day without him. 
you're not going to be able to do it. The church has been blinded by their success. It was only material. Wretched, a deplorable state of condition. Miserable, pitiful, poor, pauper, spiritually speaking now. Blind. Now notice that blind figuratively in the Greek. To inflate with self-conceit or to be high-minded. It's sad to say, but there's a whole lot of churches in this world like that. A lot of people in the churches that are like that. Naked, stripped bare, walking in shame. Christ's exhortation to the church, he said, I counsel thee to buy from me gold tried in the farm, that you may be rich. Part of the reason of their wealth was in the mighty banking industry built upon gold and silver. Christ advised them to buy gold from him, gold that had been purified by fire. They could not rely on their own source or supply if they wanted to obtain true wealth. Don't never rely on your strength. The only, only thing you're going to get if you try to do it, something on your strength, you're going to fall flat on your face. Hallelujah. I've been in church all my life, but I ain't got the least little bit of power against the devil. If I try to face the enemy on my own, I'm going to be whooped all over King Kong. I'm going to be just like what happened to old Barney Fife when he tried to learn uh, karate. Hallelujah. I think I'd drive up to my pilot. And, yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But I'm going to tell you what. When I get that Holy Ghost stirred up within me and the Spirit of God begins to flow... Man, I, 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 told, I told Sister Darling when we was down in Hot Springs, and I, I, I wish now that I'd, I'd done something I'd, uh, uh, that I felt like, and I, I didn't do it. You know, if I'd been home, I'd probably done it, but you're in this bigger place with all the many people here, you know. And, but, man, when I was preaching that, uh, that, uh, that Wednesday morning, uh, and uh, the, the, by, by the time I got, got through and I went back and I sat down, to my seat, man, I, I told her, I said, I've got, I, I feel the anointing so strong, I'm just shaking. I feel, I'm shaking just like, you know, uh, uh, when, when I get, when I have a sugar drop, uh, being diabetic, I, I get the shaking and I have to get some sugar. And I, I was shaking almost like that, but it wasn't because of a sugar drop. And I didn't, I didn't feel weak by no means, you know. I was feeling like getting up and going there and laying my hands on everybody in place. Well, that's what I was feeling like, you know. And uh, that's, that's what we all have if we got the power of the Holy Ghost in us. And that's why we don't have to run from the devil. That's why we don't have to be scared. I can't do it myself. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Hallelujah. But greater is he who's in me than he who is in the world. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I get the feeling that. I want to go up to the devil and say, you want some of me? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Ah, Lord, my Lord. Hallelujah. Y'all might not get out of here tonight before I lay hands on a bunch of you. Hallelujah. <laughs> I feel that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I... I want you to go go to page 27. You can read all of this on your own. 
I'm going to have to quit, but there's one thing that I want to get to. Notice there, uh, under Christ's promise to the church, he said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Jesus is not like a lot of parents today. If we need a good whooping, he's going to give it to us. Amen. And he says he does it because we love us. He loves us. He don't want to see us lost. He'd rather, give, he'd rather take me out behind a woodshed and give me a good, good licking than see me to get lost after I become his child to, to fall away. Hallelujah. And if you've ever been carried behind the woodshed of the Lord, you're going to know you've been there when he gets through with you. He says, those I love, I rebuke, I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Then notice he said, now, this scripture right here has been one of the many misquoted and misinterpreted scriptures. And I have, years ago when I first started, and I was young, just a teenager, and go out and run, going around the country preaching tent revivals, this was one of my favorite scriptures, and a lot of, a lot of preachers do the same thing. And they, they throw this scripture, and they, they use it towards sinners. But Jesus wasn't re- using it towards sinners. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Well, and we want to throw that, well, you know, Jesus, if you're lost and don't know the Lord, he's standing at your heart door knocking to come in. That, he, he wants to come in. Uh, that's true. But this verse right here, if, if, if you leave it in context, where it's written, he's not standing outside of the door of somebody's heart. He's standing outside of the door of this church. By the time Laodicea church age comes around, people's has got so self-sufficient and away from God, he's standing on the outside of the door of the church knocking and trying to get back in the church. That's what he's referring to. Hallelujah. They done put the Lord on the outside. I heard one man say one time, he said, you know, people done, they done got so head and high-minded of the day that if the Holy Ghost decided to come into church service, they'd ask them to sign a visitor's card. <laughs> Hallelujah. When Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock, he says, I'm knocking at the door of churches. It's done push me out. Churches don't let me in no more. Hallelujah. And folks... We are in this, the last church age. We are in right now the Lady Old Sin church age. There ain't going to be another church age after this one. The next age is going to be the kingdom age, the millennial. Hallelujah. This is the last church age. I believe that as much as I believe anything else in the Word of God. Hallelujah. So that shows us where we're at and what we've got to do. Anybody got any comments?